Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak podcast. I am Nikki Ivy, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Dog Speak Geeks, thanks for joining me today. I have a very special guest. This is one of my clients, Lori. Lori, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. I work in a school. It is the first day of school, so everything is very exciting and fresh, and people are happy to be back. Oh, well, that's fantastic. I hope it stays that way. Uh, by the time that this goes out, will probably be a couple of weeks uh, when we put this out. Hopefully, schools will still be in session. <laughs> yes, I hope so. <laughs> so, Uh, Lori came to one of our group classes to start out with, with her dog, Rosie, and uh, did level one class and Rosie did well. Uh, She wasn't quite ready for the off leash of level two. Um, But then you reached out to me because you have another dog at home, Bean, who is a boxer mix, correct? He's a super mutt. He's a super mutt. That's what Wisdom Panel told us. The super mutt. Yes. And how old is he now? He will be 12 in November. Awesome. And they were getting along fine. And then all of a sudden, Rosie just kind of attacked poor Bean. Yes. So that's how we got back together and have been doing some lessons in the home. And I wanted to have you on here because I've watched you kind of go through a little transformation of your thought processes. And I thought that you'd be a really good one to talk to our clients and our listeners about kind of expectations and how you have to learn to uh, let some things go. Um, and be okay with other things. Uh, would you say that's about kind of what you've gone through? <laughs> yeah, I think that's about right. Um, I have very high expectations of myself and fairly high expectations of the people and dogs around me. And um, that's not always super healthy. Not everybody can match up to exactly, you know, where you yeah. think they should be. That That's, you know, and it's, I do find a lot of my clients, uh, they do have like these expectations 
on their dog and their high expectations, which in turn, I think, reflect what they think reflect on them. So if their dog's not being good, then it reflects bad on them. Yes, I'm nodding, which is not very helpful for a podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I definitely feel that way. And I I think something that you told me or that I heard on one of your podcasts somewhere, somewhere in our acquaintance um, was that dogs need to be able to be dogs sometimes. And I think that's a really hard thing for people to get their heads around. And that was something that um, I listened to one about the barking that you should not always stop your dog the minute your dog barks you they are barking for a reason sometimes and you need to figure out what that is and so that's something you know that we worked to address because I felt like I was a bad person and a bad neighbor if my dogs barked but um they bark and they kind of stop when I tell them to most of the time <laughs> still a work in progress yeah um, but that is the thing is that is understanding that dogs are dogs and um that they want to do things that are natural for them. And barking is one of those things. And I think that so many people have this thought process or this idea of maybe even a dog that they've known in the past, a family dog, um, mostly family dogs that I get where kids grow up thinking, oh, you know, I had this dog grown up and this dog was perfect, right? Why can't my dog be that way? Um, but I think they don't realize the work that their parents put in. Um, I would probably say Bean is maybe one of those dogs that has almost been perfect for you? Yes. So I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. No, I mean, not complete. He's, he was not as challenging as Rosie has been. And that, I don't have kids, but I've heard a lot of parents have one kid and the kid is, they think the child is a challenge and then they have a second kid and they think, oh, the first kid was a dream. And <laughs> I, I think we had a lot of the typical puppy stuff with Bean where we had to figure out what motivated him. And I had never had a dog as an adult. He's my first, you know, grow up, move out, get a dog kind of dog. And he had some issues, but they all resolved pretty quickly when we found out he likes treats. And so, you know, he's just, he's just different. He, Rosie is, I shouldn't say this. Rosie might be a little smarter and um, <laughs> I will not Bean. Thank goodness Bean will not listen to this ever because I wouldn't <laughs> want him to know that. But um, Rosie needs to be challenged a lot more. Rosie has a lot of things that make her feel nervous or afraid. Um, I had Bean since he was eight weeks old. And so I knew exactly, you know, I, I knew the people I got him from. I knew his whole history from the day he was born. And Rosie's more of a mystery. And so we have spent time together during a pandemic when I couldn't take her out and socialize her when she had spent nine months in someone else's company. Um just learning about, you know, the unique puzzle that is Rosie and what Rosie needs and what she wants and what helps her feel comfortable. It's not always the same. So tell the, tell our listeners kind of what Rosie's kind of story is, age and, and how you ended up with her. And Rosie is a pit. Um, she's a little pit bull. Did you, have you done the DNA on her? Yes. So that's funny, actually, because the people we got her from told us that she was a purebred American bully, and Nikki's going to laugh because she's seen Rosie, and Rosie is absolutely not an American bully. No. Um, she is about three-quarters American Staffordshire Terrier, and then what's left is a little bit of Boxer and apparently a Cocker Spaniel, so um, not really sure, but that's what's up. Um, I, 
I saw her because I spent a lot of time in my home last year and things were kind of looking all the same. And I did what so many people do. And I thought, well, I'm home all the time. I have tons of time to devote to a dog. Let's, let's find a dog. And she looks like my dog bean, which is not the only reason I got her, but it, it was kind of cute. Um, so we went and met her. We took Bean to go meet her um, a couple hours away, and they got along pretty well from first sight, and we were going to wait a week to take her home, and then the next thing you knew, we were driving back with a dog in the floorboard. And um, Great plans. <laughs> and she needed a lot of it. I also, she was nine months old when I got her, which I like to tell people I thought was basically an adult dog, and no, that is a puppy that can hold her bladder longer. That. That's pretty much it. She was only halfway to adulthood. Yes. And yes. she's still working on it. She'll be two at the end of next month. And she's she's still getting there. Yeah. It took our Border Collie mix to about two to really mature. Um, so I get that. I get that. So we brought Rosie home. Yes. And what did you see from her the first couple of weeks? Um, well, she, she actually started some scuffles with Bean pretty quickly, but they were... Uh, very minor. And I kind of, I think trying to figure out her place in the family, the sorts of things. And we also realized, you know, there were some things that they could not share, like certain treats and certain toys just needed to go away forever because they were so important that we could have 10 of them and the dogs would not care. They'd want the same one. Um, so we had a little bit of learning with that and just, you know, the typical, puppy hyper stuff. She jumped onto a bar table one day on a particularly hard day. Um, and just, I literally attached her to my body with a leash and I took her everywhere. She went to every zoom meeting. She ate every meal with me because if I let her alone for a second, she was getting into things just like a little baby puppy would. So, um, her prior people had had made some progress with her. She knew a few commands. She was pretty well housebroken. Um, but there were just so many other things. And she didn't know us. We took her out of a home that she had known since she was a baby and dumped her into a new house in a new place. And so that was that was really challenging. Even with, you know, she slept through the night. She did not have to go to the bathroom every hour or two. She sleeps she would prefer to still sleep on our bed. Um, she just got bigger. There's no room now. So super sweet and snuggly and cuddly. But also the longer we had her, the more we learned she was really afraid and uncomfortable in a lot of situations. And that was brand new for me. So it's, it's typically we tell people that it takes them a couple of weeks to decompress. A lot of mm-hmm. times you'll see almost perfection in the first couple of weeks with rescue dogs. And then they start to show themselves a little bit. Um, And we are dealing with some anxiety and fearfulness with her. Um, More than likely, she did not get that socialization when she was in her other home. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to make up for. But before we get into a lot of that, tell me, what were your thoughts on getting another dog? What, What was your kind of dream or thought process of seeing these two dogs together in your life and what that would look like after COVID? We we had talked about it for years and were because I I love dogs. They're I am one of those people whose dogs are my children and and I just had the one and I hated the idea. People like to suggest getting a transition dog when your your one dog gets older and 
I, I am seeing Bean get older every day, but I was not. That felt like admitting something, getting a transition dog. I was not going to do that. And when I got Bean, I worked two miles from my home and I could go home multiple times every day to let him out and to walk him. And I did. And so one of the biggest barriers for us had just been time. And I was really having a tough time last year. Just even Bean is easy, but I needed to have something else to focus my attention on. And we thought Bean would get more exercise. He would have a buddy, um, which on, I mean, Bean likes her just fine, but he would have been just fine being an only dog. I could see that with Bean. Bean's <laughs> like, you know what? You really don't. I've got a, you got a cat, right? So he right. got cats. So it, we don't really need, yeah, I could see definitely Bean with that. Yeah. Bean's gotten along with thing. every dog he's ever known pretty much, but he just prefers the company of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that a lot. Um, and Rosie is opposite. She does not prefer the company of people, at least not the people that are not inside her home, unless you're not around and the pet sitter's there. <laughs> oh yeah. I think Rosie <laughs> likes the pet sitter more than us right now. So I'm glad I found a good one. I know they're yes. hard to find, um, but yes, she sleeps on the pet sitter's lap and not mine. So well, I mean, I've been there many times and Rosie still could care less about me <laughs> just to bark at me and take my treats when I toss them to her. She's very but, selective. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> but when you get to know her and she trusts you, oh my gosh, I mean, that she's just the cutest, sweetest thing. And, you know, she checks in with you regularly and does her own thing a lot, but also wants to be around people. And she wants to, you know, she wants to play and have attention. And she's actually got a really good mix of ability to entertain herself, but also interact. Rosie is a dog who will go and throw her own ball in the backyard sometimes just because she likes to. She just likes to hang out in the sun. She doesn't need to be stimulated all the time. She's capable of doing some of that on her own and she can self-soothe. She's great in her crate. Um, just so many just wonderful qualities. Um, and she's made a lot of progress since we brought her home as well. We talk about that almost daily right now, just how well she's doing and how calm she is. And, um, well, she's different. I, she requires active, careful management, um, to feel okay. She's not a dog I can leave out of a crate. I don't know if we'll be able to leave her out by herself in the house anytime soon. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's for her safety. Um, gosh, I don't know. I, I think, we just love her so much. She's such a good part of the family. She's just different. You know, it, it's when I had Tiba, who is my best dog across the board, my angel, my sidekick, my everything, my soulmate. Um, she was such an amazing dog. And so when I was getting a second dog, I was getting a second dog because I knew that that Tiba, I was going to retire her. She was my working companion. I was going to retire her. So I wanted to get a second one. And the second one came from the same line, um, Rottweilers, both Rottweilers. And Day in Dublin, um, and that is Day in Dublin, not really countryfied Dan. Uh, Day in Dublin, she was very different from Tiba. She wasn't as loving and social as far as greeting everyone. She was a little, she was definitely wired a little differently. And I know that. I was, and I, and I lost, I lost Tiba at an early age. Um, she was only 11. It was very rapid. It was very, just, I was very distraught. 
And uh, Dagan was probably less than two at the time. But I found I caught myself constantly looking at her going, why can't you be like Tiba? Why can't you be like Tiba? I am so guilty of that. And I want people to know that that is a normal, normal, I think, emotion to feel. Um, and you shouldn't feel guilty about it. But I think it's important to recognize that um, and then to start looking at the dog as an individual. You do you find yourself kind of in that same kind of situation with her? Oh, yes. I mean, yeah, being I, I've called being my go anywhere buddy for a long, long time. Um, and and it's when you know all the good things I just talked about with Rosie. Sometimes I really had to look for those because I spent a lot of time thinking, oh my gosh, I have never had to worry about whether it's safe to take Bean on a walk or to a store. Um, I have never had a problem that he's a rock star at the vet. He's basically the mayor of our vet's office and they, every single person on the, I mean, everybody knows him. Um, he's just very confident and friendly and really, and I think we, people are selfish, right? Like we are very self-centered and Bean is always looking to us to see what we need from him and what we want from him. And is very focused on pleasing us. And Rosie doesn't super care about that. (laughs) And so that was a hard adjustment. That doesn't mean that Bean's a better dog. But I also have to remind myself that we're going on 12 years with Bean. So all of that progress didn't come right away. And my family has to tell me sometimes that they didn't really enjoy visiting when Bean was young because he was super hyper. And really bad about jumping on people and just kind of being a bull in a china shop. And of course, I don't remember any of that now. (laughs) Everything is soft and fuzzy and he was perfect the whole time. Um, He did fail obedience school the first time we took him, but then he passed. (laughs) Then he passed. (laughs) He thought it it was just a party. He didn't know that you actually had requirements. Yeah. So I just, I had no idea how easy he was and that, yeah, I feel almost ashamed to say that sometimes I, I look at Rosie and I, I think, oh my gosh, I wish that you were a little easier. Um, I took I, Bean on a trip by himself recently and I thought, oh, this is great. I don't have to look and see if there are dogs around before I get him out of the car. You know, we can just do whatever we need to and it's fine. Um, I love that you were open to admitting that because I think a lot of people, they don't want to admit that those emotions um, that they happen because they don't, they don't want to, they don't want people to one, think that they're a bad person or that their dog is a bad dog. Um, and so I think that was probably my biggest reason why I wanted you on here is because you were really good about admitting those things um, and recognizing it. And I think that's healthy. I think it's healthy. And I think that can only help your relationship with your dog more. And it, I know it helped me when I recognized it. And I had to start looking at double D as double D and not Tiba's replacement. Right. And, and that was, that was a big thing for me because as a, as a trainer, you know, there are high expectations I have on my dog. <laughs> um, I now realize that if you ever want to be humbled, just talk to your dog and they will humble you in two seconds. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. But I learned a lot from her at understanding she is an individual, which in turn made me a better dog owner 
and a better dog trainer. Uh, so I really appreciate that about you, that you recognize. Um, and, and I'm sure that there's two moments you probably feel a little guilty about that when you were thinking about that with Bean. Um, oh, for sure. But to recognize that Rosie is special um, and that she does have reactivity and, and issues with people and dogs and she's fearful and nervous and um, and she's not that you know easy dog that you've had for 12 years that you did forget all the work you put in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that it will make you a better owner to Rosie, right? Not just a, a better dog owner, but a better owner or guardian to Rosie because you see yeah. her as she, as she is and not what you want her to be, right? Um, and I think that's important for people to know that your dogs are moldable to a certain point, but to turn Rosie into being, it's probably never going to happen. And how does that kind of, when you think about that, okay, I'm not, I may never have a dog. Rosie may never be like Bean. You know, we may not be able to do those vacations to where I'm relaxed all the time. How do you, how do you focus on that? Or how do you deal with that? I guess I should say. And and I know that's hard and it's emotional. Right. And I'm, I'm hesitating here because everything I want to say is more comparison and I don't know that that's very helpful, but you know, Rosie is a super athletic dog and Bean never has been. And that, so that's something that we really enjoy is that dog can run faster than any dog I've ever seen and really has um, just this, this energy that when we're channeling it properly is absolutely beautiful to behold. And so we have opportunities there for a different kind of play and you know, for a dog who some people really hate getting kisses from their dog, but Rosie really likes to give kisses (laughs) and Rosie really likes to have you stroke her little cheeks. And those are things that Bean doesn't really like. Um, So we get to interact with her in a different way. Um, And, you know, she's very smart. (laughs) Nobody tell Bean. He's smart. He is smart. smart. He's just in different ways. Yes, he's right? in different yeah. ways. Um, but I, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I really, no. I don't want to miss this part. I like that the way you compared that is that you compared the way Rosie is different, but it allows you to enjoy different things. Yeah. And that's huge that people see that each dog may give you and bring you different things. Not one dog can fulfill everything. Right. So it's okay to have that. I think, I guess that's one of the things that's special about having two dogs, even if they like each other, they interact very well 99% of the time. Um, She is a pesky little sister and gets really upset when we take, you know, he Bean has some health issues. He has to go to the vet a lot. And she, when we get back, lights up like a Christmas tree. I mean, she checks on him when he seems like he's not feeling well. And he is kind of like, okay, wow, you got to, you got to cool it a little bit. Um, So seeing them interact like that is fun too. It's not, you know, I don't have two separate worlds going on with the dogs, but they are, they, they both bring something unique and special, I think. And, and that's huge. Um, I was going to say too, that the, 
the work we're doing with Rosie has given me a lot of empathy for other dog owners that I see out. Um, I saw someone whose dog was just absolutely losing it on a walk. And instead of being like, what is wrong with you? You need to do more work. I thought, oh, that poor person (laughs) probably doing their best because I certainly hope that when people see me sitting in the middle of the street with my dog because she won't walk, that happened. Um, I would like someone to think, okay, that lady is doing her best. Um, That's, that, that's beautiful because I think that people do need to hear that. And I think they, they need to hear that it's okay if you are struggling Um, don't freak out and get mad at your dog if you're struggling just because of what other people are going to think. But I also think it's great to have that empathy, not only towards other dog owners, but learning to have that empathy with your dog when they're too scared to walk. Yes. Right. And not just thinking they're just being a brat. And that's so, okay. So I will say too, something my husband did much better than I did was I, we're taking a break from walking with Rosie right now because she needs, she needs to work at home a little bit. But one of the last times I walked Rosie, she decided she was not going to walk and she laid down in the middle of the street and I freaked out. And I thought, Oh my gosh, people are going to see me. Cars are going to run us over while my dog is (laughs) acting dead in the middle of the street. And I managed to kind of haul her up and I got her to the side of the road. And I was thinking, and I said, I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. We have to go. We have to go. We weren't on a timetable. I just really felt like I needed to get out of public. But my husband husband took her for a walk like a week later. And when she got scared and didn't want to walk anymore, he just sat down on the curb with her and waited. And it took 10 or 15 minutes. But eventually she got up and as much as told him, hey, I'm ready to go now. And they got up and they had a lovely walk. And I thought, okay, that's that's a tool I could have used and definitely didn't. Um, she just, she needed a minute. She needed like 15 of them. Right. And, and sometimes the people need that 15 minutes away from their dog and that's okay too. Yeah. (laughs) There are moments, but you know, these are all lessons that I think we all kind of have to learn, but, but I think if, when we learn these lessons, we can share that with others, uh, to help them know that one, they're not alone that you're not the only human having problems with your dog. Your dog's not the only dog that's having issues with X, Y, and Z. Um, they are individuals and they're not always going to be perfect. Just like the humans aren't always going to be perfect. Um, I always like to say, I want to make, I want to make dogs the best version of themselves and not who I think they should be or what they should be. And that was a lesson I had to learn. Um, and it can be frustrating and it can be, um, it can be de- deflating to where you think I don't even have a relationship with this dog, and and I know that I've gone through that with with Double D, and which is probably why she's Brittany's dog now. Um, we have three dogs; they all belong to Brittany, and I have three cats. So, <laughs> oh, all the dogs like Seth better, <laughs> right? And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Yes, I deal with dogs all day. I'm fine to have my cats when I get home cool. Right. Um, but I know that I'm going to, we're fixing, we're probably going to be losing two dogs soon. Uh, one to old age, one to health issues. That's going to put us down to one dog and I'm probably going to get another dog, um, a smaller dog, but I have in my mind, I really have this, 
entire thought of what I want. A dog that I can take anywhere, that is not needy and needs a ton of things, doesn't need a ton of exercise. One that loves people, but it's going to love me more. Um, that wants yeah. to ride in a stroller, but does want to walk some. I know it's ridiculous, right? After I've made fun of people with dogs and strollers, I want one. And I, that is what I want. And, I, and, I, and I'm going to be honest, if I got a puppy that I thought that was going to be it and it ended up not being it, I'd be disappointed. I'd be disappointed. How would you tell, what advice would you give me on dealing with that? I know I just threw that one at you. Oh, what a good question. <laughs> yes. Well, first I need to say I, I own four pairs of Pitbull pajamas. Um, no, no stroller, but many adorable pairs of pajamas with donuts and rainbows and ridiculous things on them. Um, so yeah, we have more pink stuff than I ever thought we'd have in our house. It's really very silly. Yeah. You definitely could not make fun of me with a stroller after that. Nope, I wouldn't. Um, (laughs) well, I guess, okay. So every person that you meet, every animal that you meet, you don't actually know, even, even a brand new puppy, you don't actually know who they are yet. You have to kind of figure that out and you can help guide them, but their personality is their personality, right? Your, your stroller dog might think that the stroller is the best thing in the world and your stroller dog might really want to walk by herself. And they have all of those, you know, I'm such a dog nerd. I'm always reading and always trying to learn more. And there's so many things where they say, you know, get get a golden retriever. Golden retrievers will do anything you want them to. And I will tell you, we had a golden retriever growing up who would throw temper tantrums and fling herself on the ground when you told her to do something that she didn't want to do. Um, and we loved her. Oh my, I mean, that's, and that's the other thing. She has been gone for, oh my gosh, more than a decade, maybe, a, maybe 10 years. And when we tell stories about her, those are the stories that we tell. That, oh, I remember when she, she huffed and sighed and threw herself on the ground rather than come in the house. And um, it's all of those things that, all those things that you don't expect can turn out to be the really joyful things. But you have to adjust your own expectations because they are, they are free-willed creatures just like we are. So just because... Rosie doesn't always like to wear the pajamas, but sometimes she gets cold. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't shown you any pictures. I will remedy that soon. Yes, um, definitely. <laughs> but Bean would rather die than wear dog pajamas. <laughs> we no got him some. He was so sad. He would wear them. But no, that was not his idea of a good time. I don't even know if I answered your question. I'm really. No, like, I think this is perfect. No, I think this is perfect. Because um, it. it I, I like what you said. You have to adjust your expectations. And there are some things, and you and I talked about this before we did this. I need Rosie to be able to go to the vet. I need Rosie to be able to, I need to have people come in our house without Rosie losing her mind. And we're working on that. And something, you know, three months ago, I didn't think I'd ever be able to travel because I wasn't sure that Rosie would ever be okay with someone else in our house. And 
And that actually, that might be a really good example because I have always had been stay with somebody else. Um, I used to board him at facilities. It turns out he does much better if he can sleep on someone else's couch. And so we had places that we would take him. I can't send Rosie to someone else's house with dogs and kids and all of these unknowns, I think would be really upsetting for her. And so you suggested to me having a pet sitter stay with Rosie, which was a brand new thing for me. Um, I've never had someone stay in my house when I wasn't there. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm nervous about this. But as we hinted at earlier, Rosie absolutely adores the pet sitters <laughs> and helps me, helps me know that we, you know, we don't travel a lot, but when we do, I want to do so with confidence that my dogs are going to be safe and happy when I'm gone. And so we had to try something different with Rosie. We had to try something different for her to feel safe. Um, and we figured it out. So, yeah, making the dog feel safe and secure is is really very important because that's so important to dogs to feel safe and secure. Um, right. But adjusting, yeah, adjusting that expectation on that that I think shows that you do have that empathy where you go, "What is the best thing for my dog?" Not "What is the best thing for me?" Right. right. Um, because I, I deal with a lot of, of a lot of people who want X, Y, and Z from their dog and they don't ca- care how they get it. And if I refuse to do it, they go somewhere else that, you know, don't always use the nicest techniques um, because they don't understand the dog is an individual and it's not a robot that you can just uh, program to do exactly those things you want and force that. And, and that's, a, I think, a, a hard lesson for a lot of people. But I think anyone that has dogs over time, you will have to learn that lesson. You're not going to have a perfect dog every time. No, I should say, too, that lest anyone think that Bean is perfect, I failed <laughs> earlier that Bean is the worst beggar in the history of the universe. Bean will lay his head on your lap and just gaze at you in the hopes that you will feed him from your plate. And he always has, and we did not help. Um, We definitely fed him sometimes. We were bound and determined that Rosie would never know that plate food could be something that she could ever, ever have. And Rosie puts herself in her crate when we're eating. She just hangs out and waits. And she's like, okay, cool. (laughs) And it's, I mean, it's, it feels miraculous sometimes that, you know, we're looking for her and she's just doing her own thing. And that's. That's super. So that's, she's got it all over Bean on that one thing. Um, But, you know, I mean, when we talk about dogs and expectations, everybody really likes those stories on social media about the dogs that, you know, they're supposed to be like service dogs and they fail or they're supposed to be drug sniffing dogs, but they get too excited and they want to hang out with everybody. And so. Yes. The dog needs something different. That dog doesn't need that. The dog's not a good fit for that job but they are a good fit for something else. Absolutely. And with our service dog organization, we do have that. We have some of our dogs who will not make service dogs, um, but they might make a good facility dog. Or if they don't make a facility dog, then they do become a pet. And it's not a failure on anyone. It's just that that dog is just not, doesn't have the tools um, or the makeup or even the desire. We literally had sheep-a-doodles. Um, and to ask a sheep-a-doodle with a sheep dog and a poodle, Ask a sheep a doodle to go get your EpiPen when you're having an allergic, you're going to die, right? Because the sheep dog is like, you know what? I'll think about it and I'll let you know. Because they're just not made for that. 
pets. So, but they did, they're doing great as pets and as facility dogs. So it's, you're right. It's like understanding your dog and learning your dog and respecting your dog, having empathy for your dog and not, not getting frustrated with some of the behavior, thinking the dog is just doing it to be an ass. Because I do have people who think their dog is just an ass, the dog is manipulating, when in fact the dog is dealing with struggles, uh, emotional struggles, um, you know, mental struggles. So I think it's important that people do learn empathy and to look at their dog as the individual um, and learn how to make them the best version of themselves so that they have a happy life. Uh, you know, it's, it's a give and take. And I think you've done such a wonderful job at looking at Rosie and saying, okay, I'll meet you where you are and we're going to make you the best version of yourself and adjusting those expectations to where Bean was take everywhere. Well, Rosie's not a take everywhere, right? But you're looking at the things you can do with her. And then of of course, the realistic things that we do need to have her be able to do like going to the vet. But you look at that and I love that you look at the, the wins and the things that you do with her and you look at it as a positive. And I think that's important that people forget to look at the positives that your dog does have. You, you mentioned how you and Seth talk every night about kind of Rosie's wins for the day. Talk about that a little bit. Well, we kind of had Seth is super positive and much less critical of everything than I am. So that's the first thing that I should say. And it was kind of a self-preservation thing. Second, because I saw every one of Rosie's failures as my own. And so if Rosie got into something she shouldn't have, it's not because Rosie was a bad dog. It's because I left it where she could get it. And so I was just constantly in this spiral of I'm not working everything that she's doing that I don't like. I'm not working enough with her. I'm not practicing enough with her. I am, you know, putting her in a bad position. And so then I was mad at myself and I was mad at her. And poor Seth is like, could we all just like watch TV in bed and then go to sleep? And I'm like, no, we need to do a list of all the things I could have done better today. And so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a conscious thing to start saying, well, Rosie do well today, but we've got a whole routine at night where we say, you had such a good day today. You did so many things well. And we actually tell her because we're ridiculous and it's part of our whole wind down that, um, you know, you came in from the backyard when we called you and you let us know that someone was at the door, but then you stopped barking. That was a huge one. And you ate your dinner. That's, she doesn't always feel like it right now. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Rosie, Rosie is happier and therefore we are happier because we're all, we're all kind of working on this together. And, you know, like we tried some different training approaches before we found yours and that, that whole style of focusing on the wins and finding things, you know, we tell her she's a good girl all the time. I mean, every day and just sometimes she's not even doing anything in particular. She's just hanging out, but we should, we like that. We like that. She's just hanging out. So we tell her she's good. And she notices. I think she notices she has better days when we do that. And we've also started to notice too, where kind of like a toddler, we can tell when she needs a nap. We can tell when we need to take Bean to another room so that we can let Rosie do some enrichment stuff by herself. Um, we can tell when we need to take her in the backyard and like 
fill up the baby pool so she burns off some energy. And some of that is just time, just us getting to know her over time and getting to read her and understanding dog communication and Rosie's communication. But yeah, I think it's been really helpful for for me and for her to say, here are the things that Rosie totally knocked out of the park today. I love that. And I think I'm going to start incorporating that with my clients and make them write down every night. <laughs> Something, you know, three, three good things that, that your dog did, because I think as humans, we're so focused on the negative and so focused on the bad behavior that we can't look past that to get to know our dog. Right. And, and by opening up and seeing the positives and, and acknowledging that and then talking about it. And I love that your wind down is that you tell her how good she was. I love that. I think it is awesome because it is a relationship. This isn't a dictatorship or she's just a robot or, you know, you're really having a relationship with her. And um, and it's beautiful to watch and it's beautiful to hear. And I really want my listeners to understand that to have that relationship, even if you are having problems with your dog, to have that will help you get through those problems with your dog. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was a day, maybe only a week or two after we had gotten her where I thought, and I've had many days like this, I'm going to be honest, where I thought I had ruined everybody's life. Right. Um, (laughs) Everybody was miserable, most of all me. And you know, Rosie wasn't happy. Everybody, we were just exhausted all the time. And I went out in the backyard with her and I was just really, I just really didn't like her that day. And she wasn't doing anything that we wanted her to do. We had tried to walk and it was a nightmare. Um, she didn't want to listen to me. She wasn't interacting with me. And I took her out in the yard and we had a really big yard and I was at the other end of the yard and I kind of just cranky, like picked up a ball and threw it. And she brought it back to me. <laughs> and I just looked at her like, oh, okay. You know, you haven't done one single thing that I wanted you to for like two days now. But thank you. And I threw that ball until she got so tired she couldn't bring it back to me anymore. And she doesn't normally even like to play fetch. So that was unusual. Um, but it was kind of this turning point that I thought, okay, you know... Like, she was as irritated with me as I was with her. She was probably wondering, like, what does this person want from me? Why am I not doing it? You know, a lot of things that I think people feel like, why am I feeling this way? I'm in a bad mood. I don't even know why. Or all these little things, you know, like, I didn't know I was supposed to not take chicken off the counter and also chase the cat and eat an entire thing of cat food. And, you know, all of these things that... It's a rough couple of days. Um, (laughs) So she's thinking, I can't do anything right. Someone gets mad at me no matter what I do. And I'm thinking, you won't do anything right. And it doesn't matter what I do. And, but then we, you know, we had this little interaction with the ball throwing and had a really good walk the next day. And then we had a terrible walk like two days after that because progress is not linear. And we have, I hope, you know, many, many, many years ahead of getting to understand each other and know she needs to know what we want as much as we need to know what she wants. That you just solidified the entire thing with that line. You need to know what she wants and, and she needs to know what you want. It's a, it's a back and forth communication. Um, And that's huge. That's huge. And, And I know a lot of my 
clients. And I know a lot of my listeners have felt that way at some point of, oh my God, you're not doing anything I want. And you're not, oh my, I don't know what, you know, and you know, the dog's probably like, oh my God, you're not doing anything I want. And you know, <laughs> you're not, you're not getting me. You're not understanding me. And there's a frustration on both sides. Um, but to know that, you know, you can get through it, you can get through it and you can start developing a relationship and you can um, have the best version of that dog. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate you sharing um, your story and your emotions and um, your thoughts, because, I mean, I could sit here and say it all day long and, you know, I'm the professional. So people don't take that as much. Uh, they're like, yeah, right. You've never felt that way. You know, trust me, I have. Um, I have not liked dogs in the past. I, you know, I don't like every dog. But um, and there are some days I don't like my dog and there are some days my dog does not like me. And that's okay because we're individuals and we have that understanding. Um, but I think it's important that people hear that they're not alone when they feel that way and that they, I don't want them feeling guilty, um, that there are ways out of it and there are ways to develop that relationship, even if it has gone a little sideways for a day or two or a week, you know, or a year. It's just important to recognize it and recognize that you have to change as much as you want the dog to change. Yeah, it has been a very humbling experience and we're still, we're, we're going to be working every day. Just I'm getting it right, but oh my gosh, she's made so much progress. We, we just love her so much. I'm so glad. Do you have any final words that you would like to tell my listeners from your experience? <laughs> I feel like everybody knows or should know how much dogs can test your patients um, how much life can test your patience. It's that I am not a choose happy sort of person. I tend to think that's kind of a silly mantra, but <laughs> the idea of focusing on the wins has been transformative. Um, I think if there were one thing to take away from that and you did not pay me to say this, I got it from you. When, you know, when we took that group class at the very beginning, that was something that really, stuck with me that not just focusing on the wins, but looking for them, actively seeking out times when she's doing the thing that we're happy about when she's sitting instead of jumping all just really, really small things. And they have a cumulative effect. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's the thing is that they, they are there, they are there every day. Even if you didn't do any training that day, there are wins. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I hope we all choose happy. <laughs> I mean, it's not that it's impossible to be happy, but choose happy. Easy. But th thanks for having me on to, I'm, you never have to work hard to get me to talk about my dogs. I, I know it. And I, I knew that you'd be a good one for that. Even though I'm going to totally throw you out there. She told me before we started, she hates podcasts. But so I feel very grateful. <laughs> And it's not for everybody. I get it. Um, I am so grateful, though, that you came on to share this um, and to be vulnerable while sharing this. I really do appreciate it. Um, and I appreciate all the work that you put into working with Rosie, because a lot of people may have given up by now. Um, so I appreciate that. And I know Rosie appreciates that. And I think Bean is perfect. He's, <laughs> he's, he's going he's going to the beach. 
in three weeks for his bucket list vacation and Rosie's going to be safe and snuggle with someone nice the whole time. And they're both going to be super happy. That's awesome. Thank you, Lori, for being here. Thank you for having me.